guys. Welcome back to the OG of the HRC way. News, they ain't telling you. Okay, we have a lot of quick news to cover, so I'm going to get through this so we can go on to the bigger, best stories there is. All right, first and foremost, President Biden signed a massive climate change executive order. I think there was like four orders in that. Um, he also just signed an executive order for Obamacare to reopen for enrollment. He also has paused the Saudi arms deal, which is worth billions, with which Trump was a big fan of for obvious reasons, right? Um, so I think that this is like 34, 33, 34 executive orders. The New York Times ran an, an op-ed yesterday saying, yo, Joe, like maybe you got to cool it on the executive orders. And um, I kind of feel the same way. And I'm sorry if you guys think differently than me. That's okay. We're all allowed to have our own opinions. My opinion is let's get to work. Let's get legislative things passed in Congress. You have full control. Let's do it that way. I understand there's a lot to overturn, but like, let's start going to Congress now. Okay, in other news, Senator Tim Kaine, which you guys all remember as Hillary Clinton's infamous VP pick from Virginia, was on record yesterday saying he believes we will not get to the 67 senators needed for impeachment. No shock, no awe over here. Um, he's instead saying let's censure, censure uh, Trump. Um, which is sort of not going over very well, but we shall see. It became clear when only five senators from the Republican side moved to continue the conversation and move the impeachment along, and 45 of them were like, nah, and I believe those same 45 are going to be like, nah, when it comes to impeachment, no matter what comes our way. So that's a little truth going on there. Um, sadly, the second police officer who was called into duty has committed suicide. Um, he was called into duty on January 6th. So that is the second police officer now who has committed suicide. Very interesting, if you ask me. Um, this is a great one that we were talking about right before I started filming. Social media, old social media has surfaced of now Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh... <laughs> There's one video where before she's a congresswoman, she's sort of chasing one of the Parkland high school kids um, who was in D.C. to go, you know, go and lobby to Congress members to get them to do gun, you know, gun legislation. And she's following him and she's calling him a coward and just insanity. I mean, what that kid had been through and to even think he's not a politician he's he's a kid who survived a shooting like what are we talking about she also on her social media liked a bunch of postings about people who were posting about putting a bullet in nancy pelosi's head um putting a bullet in democrats head and on and on uh kevin mccarthy who's like the head man in charge over there in the house he said for republicans he said oh i'm gonna have a conversation with her so, yeah, I'm sure that conversation will go really well, and I, it'll just be grand. Um, and also, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, came out today and basically was like, what are you guys doing over there? We have enemies inside our own, and you're letting them just run amok, so, like, handle your business. Um, Kevin McCarthy has, apparently, um, they have phone conversations with the leaders of the parties and things like that. He basically is telling the GOP to stop going after each other. 
So I don't know what that means. Kevin McCarthy also is, I think he went or he, he's going to go to go to Florida to have a conversation with Trump um, about what the party should do moving forward. So that's interesting because last time I checked, I think either Kevin McCarthy or Mitch McConnell is the leader of the Republican Party. But what do I know? Apparently Trump is, right? So that's all going to be interesting. Uh, this Marjorie Taylor Greene also this morning, Hillary Clinton had tweeted and said this woman should not be working on Capitol Hill. She tweeted back Marjorie Taylor Greene and said, no, you should be in jail, which is always like my favorite thing, especially now because I'm like, hey, your guy was president for four years and he didn't put her in jail. So the one person who I think would have put her in jail would have been Donald Trump. Your guy didn't do his job, right? So, so good luck with that. But keep going after Hillary Clinton, Marjorie, and you'll see what happens. Go ask Tulsi Gabbard what happens when you come after Hillary Clinton. She doesn't have a job anymore. So that being said, we have officially a bill has been introduced to make D.C. a state. It was put on the floor by Senator Tom Carper of Delaware. So um, I'm going to go into that a little bit later, more detail, but I think it's exciting news. Um, this one's fun. <laughs> Melissa Carone, and if I said it wrong, I apologize. Um, she is running for the 46th House District of Michigan, and why she matters is because she is the infamous loopy fraud witness that Rudy Giuliani put in court in Michigan. Her hair was the Sarah Palin style with the glasses, and she was definitely not sober. So uh, she's running in the 46th House District, which is Oakland County, which I believe is part of Detroit. So good luck there. Um, in entertainment news, Nicole Kidman is going to play Lucille Ball. And I think, like, how did this happen? Like, was Amy Adams not available even? Or, you know, I, I can't, I like, I can't wrap my head around this one. Nicole Kidman's going to play Lucille Ball. So it's apparently... The true story of Lucy and Desi um, with all of their marital problems. And again, Nicole Kidman is playing Lucia Ball. Okay, here we go. Um, this one's funny. Oklahoma wants to return $12 million of stockpile of hydrochloroquine or whatever that drug was that Trump bought was the magical drug for COVID. So apparently Oklahoma bought $12 million worth. And now they're like, oh, it doesn't really do much so uh yeah that's funny I don't think they're gonna get their money back so sorry Oklahoma um if you guys remember the infamous Casey Anthony who was put on trial for murder of her young daughter I think the daughter's name was Kaylee Anthony Nancy Grace was like obsessed with the case my mom watched Nancy Grace religiously at the time so um anyways so she went away for a while she's found not guilty I don't know how but she was and she is now starting a PI firm to help other women who've been wrongfully accused. Okay. Um, the New York Department of Health is saying that the Attorney General of New York is saying that the New York Department of Health undercounted COVID deaths in nursing homes. Nursing home deaths um, were pretty high in New York's New York State. 50% um, was undercounted. So their guesstimation was 8,700 deaths related to COVID in nursing homes. But the attorney general is coming out and saying, no, 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 that number is much higher. So that's a disaster waiting to happen. Um, this is cute. The Webster's Dictionary has officially added second gentleman to the dictionary. 
because we officially have a second gentleman, Doug, Kamala Harris's husband. So that's cool. Um, and last but not least, I don't know if you guys were paying attention, but Wall Street was running amok yesterday. GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, and a, um, a couple others were just going through the roof. And hedge funds lost and had to be bailed out, A couple, two of them I know for sure. And I believe it's just proof that Wall Street is not our economy. I'm going to go into great detail into that a little bit later as well. But that was a fun day. And now I guess um, Wall Street is back to normal and thriving in the middle of this crazy economy. So Senator Warren is 100% right and has been right for a very long time before it was cool to say it. Wall Street is not our economy. So let's go into three major stories. Let's do it. Okay, so first story up is um, let's talk about COVID and COVID numbers versus the rest of the world numbers. I see very often on Twitter and social media that everyone sort of, there's like this one picture going around on Twitter of um, like all these groceries on a counter and it's in South Korea somewhere and they're like, look what the South Korean government has given every month to every citizen in South Korea. So first, I want to say that South Korea has, um, I want to make sure I get this right, South Korea has 52 million is their population. Our population is guesstimation, because we just did census this year, about 350 million people. So there's a really, really, really big difference there. So what I'm going to do is just break down these COVID numbers and talk about how other countries have shown up for their citizens, first and foremost. I am fully aware that our federal government has failed. Um, those months and months and months that went by that no one really, there was no movement after the first stimulus check had gone out. There was really no movement. There was sort of back and forth, but there was no movement on who was going to get helped and states were closed down and businesses were closing permanently and people were waiting in food lines. I'm fully, fully aware that we messed up. I'm fully, fully, fully aware that we are leading the world in COVID cases and COVID deaths. I am not naive to that. Um, I understand that people are frustrated and they're aggravated, so they're looking at other countries and they're like, why can't we be more like that? Well, there's well, there's a lot of reasons why we can't be like that. So first and foremost, in America, we have a different democracy than anyone else in the world. And our democracy has federal rights and state rights. So great example is a lot of people thought that President Biden would be able to say, I need every American, I'm mandating that every American wear a mask. Well, he can only say, I need every American to wear a mask on federal land. When it comes to state issues, that's the governor who decides. The only way that the president of the United States can, can mandate anything for the all 50 states is by mar using martial law where he just takes over everything because usually martial law is used when it's a extremely chaotic situation and there's no rhyme or reason. So the, the federal government comes in and says, we're here to help and whatever we say goes. So that's something that other countries don't deal with, state rights and federal rights. Then we also have the good old military budget that a lot of people always love to talk about because we spend more in the military than anyone else in the world. Um, the last estimation was we were spending $732 billion on our military. The closest one was China at $261 billion. 
And then India at $71.1 billion. Russia's at $65.1 billion. Saudi Arabia, $61 billion. France, Germany, on and on. So, and then South Korea's at 43.9. So they're spending like nothing compared to our military budget. Now, I know a lot of people say, let's just get rid of most of our military budget. And I wish it was that easy. But we are a superpower. And do I think that we overspend in the military? Do we have like $1,000 hammers? Yes, 100% we overspend. But when you are the superpower and you're leading the world, you kind of have to have a big military budget. That's just a reality. And I know a lot of people don't want to deal with that reality, but it's a reality. So there's that. There's also population versus cases. So when you go to, I have this printout here, of United States, we have uh, over 400,000 deaths and over 26 million cases. Um, that is insane. But then you go to India, and they have 10 million cases, 153,000 deaths. Now, India has a population of like a billion, I believe. Yeah, India has a population of a billion. So like, that makes sense. Um, they're very much a caste system, so they have very, very poor and very, very rich. So that sort of makes sense, sadly. Um, Brazil, sort of the same way. Russia is the same way. United Kingdom, none of those numbers like surprise me because you have a lot of population. The ones that really shocked me, France, Spain, and Italy have over a million cases, 2 million, 2.7, 3.1, and they have almost 100,000 deaths. And those are smaller countries. When you're looking at France, Italy, and Spain, um, Italy has 60 million. Their population is 60 million. France is 67 million. So to me, those countries really drop the ball. Really, really drop the ball. And, um, you know, I know that Italy had it really bad there for a while. And they were, like, shut down completely. The whole country was shut down. And I know, they, I know that France, Spain, and Italy also has a lot of older you know, citizens, um, because it's a great place to retire and, you know, live leisurely. But that to me is like, whoa, they, the considering that they have, you know, not even a hundred million people in their country and they have that high of number means like they really drop the ball at some point. Now, a, a country that everyone is really like looking to who did a stellar job is Japan. And they did, they have 126 million citizens and they are all the way <laughs> I had to look like three times because I couldn't find their numbers on here because I was like, where is Japan? I could not find Japan. And now it's on here. Sorry, guys. Um, I mean, they are like way, like second to last page for the world. For 120 mil 126 million residents, they have three only 372,000 cases. And they had 5,200 5, deaths, which considering how many people are in that country, wow. And considering that Japan has the world's oldest population, 36 million are 65 and older, 3 million are 90 or older, 70,000 are 100 or older. You got a lot of older people, which this COVID hits radically. But you have to s sort of stop and think. One, they have a healthier lifestyle just in general than we do in Japan. They have healthier eating habits. They, uh, they walk everywhere. You know, they just are healthier all around. So COVID hits people who 
have other health issues. So all I'm trying to say is when you're looking at these other countries, and I know it can be really frustrating because you're seeing like the government is doing so much more and they're just really like stop and think like, well, how many people like New Zealand is another one that everyone likes to throw out there. Like New Zealand only has 5 million citizens. Like that's, that's like California. That's LA. I mean, like that's insane. So of course they can do a lot. New Zealand doesn't have a military budget anywhere close to our military budget, anywhere close to any of these top 10 military budgets. And why would they? So all I'm saying is, yes, South Korea is doing a great job. North, uh, New Zealand doing a great job. You know, um, China is trying to sit here. I just want to add this in. China, by the way, is trying to sit here and say that they have like next, they only have 89,000 cases and they've only had 4,600 deaths. Something about that doesn't seem right, considering that this is where it came from. Um, <laughs> so leave it to China to be secretive. But anyways, point of all this is I understand we're frustrated. I understand the federal government must do more. And hopefully help is on the way. And it is unacceptable how they handled all of this from both sides. Um, but before you sort of throw out this infamous, oh, they're doing it better over there, you know, keep in mind that they have completely different lifestyles in which they're leading. They're not beef-based, meat-based diets. Um, they wear masks. A lot of Asian cultures, they wear masks just to, if they have a cold, if they're going on a train, if they, they just wear masks. So there's a lot of different factors, and I don't think that we should be comparing. Is it embarrassing that we have the most cases? Absolutely. Is it tragic? Absolutely. Do I think that it needed to get to this point? No. We should always be leading everyone else and showing everyone else how to do it. Um, but do I think that there's some other countries whose numbers aren't as high, but go based on their population of their country, is their numbers high? And that's embarrassing? Yeah. I'm looking at you, France, Spain, and Italy. I don't know what happened there, but that's that's quite embarrassing. So keep that all in mind, guys. And just um, before you jump, again, just keep doing your research. The more you know, the better it is. All right, so second story of the day is statehood. It's very exciting. It might be happening. So D.C. and Puerto Rico are ready to be 51 and 52 in the United States of America. D.C.'s population is 692,000, give or take some. Puerto Rico is 3.1 million. Now, D.C. and Puerto Rico are what you considered um, properties, sort of we... They sort of have, they have rights as U.S. citizens, but they don't have full rights, the whole thing. So I'm going to break it all down to you. But keep in mind, Puerto Rico, 3.1 million, and D.C. is 692,000. So Wyoming's population is 578,000. Rhode Island is a million. Hawaii is 1.4. So Puerto Rico is already blowing that out of the water, and D.C.'s population is blowing Wyoming out the water, and they're all states. So that's an interesting so just so, for some background here, Puerto Rico actually does not pay uh, federal taxes, but D.C. pays the highest per capita federal taxes in the entire United States. So even though they have no reps in Congress, no senators, no House members, no governor, no nothing, they pay the highest federal taxes in the United States. They pay more in federal taxes than 22 other states. Like, really think about that with no real control of anything. So 
Puerto Rico has no representatives in Congress. They have what you call a non-voting resident commissioner, which is a bunch of like nonsense. It's really no power. They can vote in the presidential election, but it doesn't that doesn't mean as much to them as it does to the rest of us. Um, DC has no reps in Congress, like I said. They have a non-voting delegate in the House, and that means exactly what it sounds like, a non-voting. So they just sort of are there, and they're part of Congress, but not really. They don't really get a say in anything because they're not a state. So they basically, D.C. is getting taxation without representation. It's just really that simple. And it's not fair, and it's not right. So... This is what's interesting to me and when people think about, well, why should we bring Puerto Rico? Why should we bring D.C.? And this is this is what I say. Puerto Rico has an annual average of $1.8 billion in tourism each year that they're not paying federal taxes on. So you take that $1.8 billion just in tourism alone, you put federal taxes on those bad boys, that's a lot of money coming back into the United States. It's beneficial to us. Um, You could say that this could be our new Hawaii. Um, I've never been to Puerto Rico, but I would love to go to Puerto Rico because people I know who went there say it's so beautiful. The beaches are beautiful. The weather is beautiful. The whole thing, as long as you're not there during hurricane season. But, you know, Hawaii's tourism is $2 billion each year, and that provides about 216,000 jobs just in tourism alone. So think of how many jobs, how much money. I mean, they're... Puerto Rico has 1.8 billion, Hawaii has 2 billion. So think the, the the one of the main reasons why Hawaii became a state was because a lot of navy men were coming to the states and saying like, "Oh, that Hawaii is so much fun and it's tropical and it's great and it's been and then Americans were like, "Oh, that could be beneficial for us. We're already using it as a navy base, so it could be a double whammy." So Puerto Rico could be like that. Tourism is it's a huge tourism spot. So D.C. has $8.2 billion in tourism. $8.2 billion in tourism. That is a lot of money that they are bringing to all of us, and they don't get a say on anything in their, in their district. So Puerto Ricans are technically U.S. citizens. They just don't get all the benefits that we do. So like when this last stimulus check went out, it had to be put in there specifically that Puerto this included stimulus checks going to Puerto Ricans. So that's interesting. Um, D.C.'s budget is actually genuinely approved by the President of the United States and Congress. So in like California, the governor goes to his state legislators, they build him a budget, they bring the budget back, he proves it, there you go. You don't need the federal government at all. The D.C. budget, their entire budget, everything they decide, if they want to put a street light in, if they want, it, it's approved by the president and Congress because it's a district and not a state. Something good to know. So basically, we're looking at American citizens without all their rights. So, you know. It would add four more senators and multiple new House members, depending on how many House members Puerto Rico brings in. D.C. will only bring in one House member. Um, but to me, what's more important is to get these citizens their rights. And it should have, for me, it should have happened a long time ago. I know that it's a big talking point now because Democrats are back in control and we want those senators. I, I, I know what's going on here. I don't guarantee that Puerto Rico is going to be both Democrat senators. D.C., I'm about like 
99% sure that they're going to be two Democrat senators. But that's not the way that I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it as D.C. is getting taxed like no other federal tax, and they have nothing, they have no one representing them. So that's why I'm looking at that. Puerto Rico, I looked at they're bringing in $1.8 billion in tourism, and it's an opportunity for us to be like, okay, we want federal tax them now. Because we help, we, we are in a lot of ways responsible of Puerto Rico, depending on the president, who the president is, um, during hurricane season. During, but they have to ask us for help, and they have to ask for If they were a state, it would be automatic. Every time there's a hurricane, every time there's a tornado in the 50 states, automatically they get money, they get funding, FEMA goes there, the president usually goes there. But with Puerto Rico, they have to ask. It takes a while to get approval. I mean, it's still a mess from the latest hurricane season with Hurricane Maria. So I think it's a win-win situation, not from the political standpoint, but rather just American citizen standpoint. So D.C. is on the on the floor already. We're going to talk about D.C. And all that needs to happen to make these states is a majority of the citizens of D.C. and Puerto Rico have to vote and say that they want to be part of the United States. And then it's on Congress, and that's it. That's all it takes to become a state, and that's laid out in the Constitution. So we shall see. I'll keep you guys posted. Okay, so before I start my third story, which I'm calling the Biden issue, um, I just want to say that all I'm trying to do is bring awareness in the same way that I brought awareness during the Trump administration, the Obama administration. I am really one of those people who holds everyone to the same standard. So just bear with me. I feel like this is a story that you guys should know and you guys can do whatever you want with it and judge it one way or the other. There is no opinion in this for me. It's just me releasing this information to you guys. Okay. Um, so Joe Biden, President Biden is one of seven children and there has been some questionable acts with his brother, his son Hunter, and now his other brother, Frank. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, so apparently Frank Biden, Biden's brother, released an ad on inauguration day using President Biden's name, sort of throwing it in there. So this isn't the first time this has been done. Um, other Biden members have name dropped in business deals. So we'll see. Um, Hunter, Hunter Biden, of course, has been swarmed with scandal, um, Hunter Biden has five children with three women. Um, he's dated his brother Bo's widow very briefly. He's had addiction issues. Um, he's currently under investigation for taxes and possible China connection or overseas connections. Um, the brother James Biden, Joe Biden, President Biden's brother, is involved in that and sort of caught up in that. He's like a businessman. So I want to make sure there's not a double standard because... When it came to the Trump family, everyone was up in arms, rightfully so, as I was, about the connections with businesses and China and, like, Ivanka Trump getting all these patents and totally. So that's all I'm trying to do is tell a story about, okay, this is interesting and we should look into it further. So what I say with all of this is President Biden should allow a full investigation and then let it all out, whatever it may be, and call it a day. Because the cover-up is always worse than the crime. So 
a great example of that is Hillary Clinton in the email situation. She will even admit to this day that she should have handled it differently. When she sort of brushed it off like it wasn't a big deal, it turned into a big deal. Now, it wasn't a big deal. The FBI even came out and said she did not do anything illegal. But she allowed the FBI to do their investigation and she moved on. Now, did the rest of the country move on or did the media move on or James Comey move on? No. But for the most part, the story was sort of wavering until James Comey came out with it again in October. So all I'm trying to say is that we must be better than the Trumps. We must not make anything look like it's something, even if it's nothing. And in my personal view, the way that President Biden has handled the Hunter and his brother situation is not a good look. So this um, Frank situation is basically he promoted his relationship to the commander-in-chief in in an Inauguration Day advertisement for the law firm he advises. Frank Biden is a non-attorney senior advisor for the Berman Law Group. So the ad focuses on a lawsuit that the firm is leading against a group of Florida sugarcane companies. It features a photo of Frank Biden along with quotes regarding his relationship with the incoming president and the family name. And this is what he said. I have never used my brother to obtain clients for my firm. Our firm has been involved with this lawsuit. Social justice is something I've been involved with for years. A White House spokesman did not respond request for co- comment. So this is what Frank says in the ad. The, Bi- the two Biden brothers have long held a commitment to pushing environmental issues to the forefront. The president-elect has vowed to rejoin the Paris Agreement and wants to set ambitious greenhouse gas reduction targets, for example. My brother is a model for how to go about doing this work. One of his central tents is that one should never question another woman or man's motives or assign blame to them. That way you avoid creating a disparity that prevents any kind of coming together. You can, of course, question someone's judgment, and that's what we're doing by bringing this to court. So... In 2011, his brother basically used his name in another lawsuit in this type of situation. So, listen, do I think that there's anything there? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not an investigative reporter. But all I'm trying to say is that we have to be better than the Trumps and we have to be more transparent and does it suck? Yeah, it sucks. But I don't think that his brother should be going around on inauguration day touting about his when they're in the middle of this lawsuit touting about you know his brother and how his brother is I mean his last name's Biden I think that they get who his brother is without there's not many Bidens you know uh and they all kind of look the same so all I can say is we shall see Hunter Biden is officially under investigation for the tax issue and wherever that leads is where that's going to lead but if I could say anything to President Biden it would just be like Get out there and don't make it look like you're trying to cover anything up. Because even if you're not covering anything up, that's the way it comes across. That's what happened with Hillary in the email. She was very, like I said, very nonchalant about the whole thing in the beginning and was like, it'll go away. And then it didn't. And then it made it look like, well, why is she acting like that? Why is she so, you know, as ridiculous as this all is, I just, I want to be above ground. I don't want to be caught up in some stupid scandal that is stupid that turns into a life force. So you know, his, his tough guy sort of persona. I don't think that it works in in this situation. So we shall see what happens with the Bidens, but everyone, I just trying to put the news out there, do what you want with it.
Okay, so you guys know that old saying, I'm sure. If they, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. So I thought, let's make a game out of it. Um, I totally got the idea from James. How do you say his name? Corden. Corden. And um, he had Speaker Pelosi on, and he like held up photos of Republicans, and he was like, say one nice thing about them. So I'm kind of gonna do a twist on that. So I have Sam, my production assistant here, and she is going to shout out three Republican names that I haven't heard. And I have to say one nice, positive thing about them. So this will be interesting. She's going to say them one at a time. So let's go. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. All right, Sam, first one up. What do you got? Um, how about Ted Cruz? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Senator Cruz of Texas, who looks like the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> And his father may have killed JFK. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I shouldn't put that out there because they'll probably get, like, uh, <laughs> censored. Um, Ted Cruz. What can I say positive about Ted Cruz? Um, well, I can't say he's loyal because he, you know, he's best friends with Trump, even though Trump had said horrific things about his wife and father. Um, you know, I, I, I used to be able to say that Senator Cruz really loved his father, but I can't say that anymore because Trump had said that Cruz's dad killed JFK and they're best friends, so I can't say that. And I don't think his daughters like him based on footage that I've seen. Um, and he, oh gosh, if I can't say anything nice, I shouldn't say it. I mean, he's like this, the bottom of the barrel these days, uh, always actually. I can't even say he has nice suits because he doesn't. Some of these Republican guys really do have very nice suits because they spend a fortune on him. His hair is really greasy and gross. Well, he knows how to read really, really well. And I say that because um, he did a filibuster one time and he read Green Eggs and Ham on the floor. So he knows how to read really well. So that's a positive. That's a nice thing. You know how to read really well. So I think that counts. Ding, ding. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to take that because I literally, I can't think of There's anything. Not There's there. not much there. Yeah, he's not, like, some you can say, like, oh, they're a good husband or they're, no. Like, no. he threw his wife and family and under the bus. But, okay, number two. Go. Um, probably a little easier this time. Oh. Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. <laughs> oh, I can see Russia from my house. Sarah Palin. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Um, you know what I can say nice about Sarah Palin is I do think that she is a pretty woman. That's a nice thing to say. And the only reason I say that is people back in the day when she was running used to say that I looked like her when I had those glasses on. So I think she's pretty. I think she's a pretty woman. That's a nice thing to say. In every other aspect, she's wackadoo. So she's pretty. You know, she was like Miss Alaska or something, right? Miss Minnesota. So she is pretty. So that's a nice thing. Ding. Number three. Oh, how about <laughs> Dick Cheney? Oh, El Diablo. Ay, ay, ay. I really Oh, my. <laughs> he just had to go there. I mean, I thought there was anything worse than Ted Cruz these days, but El Diablo. Oh, my God. What can I? I, I, I don't. I. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I just, you know, it's the saying, like, if you can't say something nice, then say, I don't think that there's a single nice thing that I could say about Dick Cheney because he is El Diablo. He is the devil. Like, he is responsible. Blah. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I failed that one. I failed. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do either. 
I failed. I failed. Okay, you want to do a bonus one? Yeah, how about, like, W. Bush? W. Bush. I know people love to say, oh, he's friends with Michelle Obama, and, you know, he's doofy, but I have a lot of problems with W. Bush. But uh, what can I say nice about W. Bush? You know, W. Bush, he really loves his wife and his children. W. Bush really loves he really loves Laura. Like the two of them are like two peas in a pod. And, you know, he relies on her a lot because he's not the smartest guy in the world. So I will say he loves his wife, Laura Bush. Yeah. So I will say that. Beyond that, I don't think I can say much nice <laughs> stuff about him because he caused all of what we're dealing with so much of today. So that's a nice thing. I passed that one. Ding, ding. Yay. Way to go. All right. Until next time. All right, guys, Daily Descent with the OG of the HRC. All right, so I had mentioned a little bit earlier about the debacle with Wall Street um, the other day with Robinhood, the app, and not allowing selling of AMC. And listen, I don't know a whole lot about Wall Street. I, I don't. I NASDAQ, Dow, up, down, round, and round. That stuff, I don't know the day-to-day. Um, but I do know this, that everyone is shocked because these hedge funds had to be bailed out yesterday and they did get bailed out like instantly. Um, And people were shocked to find out that Wall Street is ran pretty much by a handful of really rich people, hedge funders, capital ventures, you know, those type of people. And they got a taste of that yesterday. But I sort of want to say like, where have you been for years? Like, let's be really honest. Since 2007, Wall Street has basically been topsy-turvy, and it's been blatant for everyone to see how topsy-turvy and unfair it is. So Senator Warren, I believe her mission in life as a senator is taking on Wall Street and big banks and the financial industry. I saw a clip of Senator Warren not too long ago from, I think, like 2004, 2005, long before... Wall Street had ransacked Main Street. And she was predicting the housing crisis, Wall Street crisis, unemployment crisis, all of that. And everything that she said came true. And if it wasn't for Senator Warren being a senator, Barack Obama wouldn't have gone as far as he did go in terms of regulations of Wall Street after the 2007 debacle. I just want everyone to know not a single CEO of a bank or Wall Street, or hedge fund, or any of those guys who ransacked our entire economy, manipulated our entire economy, took out people's pensions, took out unions' pensions, none of them went to prison. None of them. None of them even were tried. And that is something that I still to this day look at Obama like, really? Because to me, he didn't even go as far as Senator Warren had told him to go. And thankfully, she was there because she got him to go a little bit further than he was willing to go. Now, all I can say is that Wall Street has been like this since forever. We've allowed it to topsy-turvy. After the Great Depression, there were some regulations that were put on Wall Street for the very first time, and those worked, but then it's sort of like Wall Street just ran everything, and a handful of people just ran everything. And so when I look at the coverage yesterday of this topsy-turvy Wall Street, I'm like, okay, what did we think was going to happen? Trump deregulated everything in Wall Street. Obama didn't even go far enough. 
and no one went to jail. So why should Wall Street feel like they couldn't do this all over again? The, the banking industry runs our country and it has nothing to do with capitalism. And I know people love to throw those words out of like capitalism is evil and tap no, it's not evil in other parts of the world. It's just evil here in America because of what we've allowed to happen. You know, if you look at Wall Street over the last like year when we've been going through this pandemic, does someone want to explain how Wall Street has been skyrocket high when our economy has been crap? Did, did you guys not get it then? Did you not stop and think like, wait, how is Wall Street still thriving, still going through the roof, but yet our economy is is garbage? Because the government has been pushing money into Wall Street to keep it afloat. That's what they do. It's what Barack Obama did in 2008 when we were trying to recover from the Great Recession. So until all of that is examined until all of these people on Wall Street and big banks and all as such of the financial industry are held accountable, this isn't going to stop. It's like with a kid, right? If you tell a kid no, but there's no repercussions for that no, then they're just going to keep doing it because all you're going to do is just keep saying, no, that's really bad. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. That's what Wall Street and the banking industry is. We're constantly going, no, you really shouldn't do that. You really shouldn't do that. All while, by the way, everyone, senators are allowed to own stock. And they are getting intel that tells them where the economy is going to go, who, what, where. We had issues with a couple of senators who were pretty much insider trading because they got a briefing on COVID and they sold all of their certain stocks that they knew were going to go down the very next day. So to me, there has to be a complete gutting of the financial industry, including involved in politics. I don't see why a sitting senator or their spouse should be having any say in our Wall Street and having stocks. That doesn't make any sense to me. They have more information than anyone and they can like put it in a trust or they can. That's bull. That's such bull. So I just I don't care if a senator or member of Congress is massively rich. I don't care if, you know, as long as they're not getting rich on the taxpayer's dime. I don't care that Pelosi is worth, she's a multimillionaire. Her family was very successful before she ever entered Congress. I don't care that Feinstein is is massively rich. Her husband was one of the biggest lawyers in all of America. I don't care that the Bushes are as rich. I don't care as long as they're not doing anything on our backs. If they're genuinely, you know, but... There is a massive, massive issue, and I'm glad that everyone's paying attention now, but it can't just be, okay, Wall Street's bad and this. No, what are we going to do now? We have full control in Congress. What are we going to do now? That's the big question is like, we've been praying for full control for so long, and now we have it, and I'm like, I literally think to myself, like, what is Congress doing all day? Like, what are they doing? This is a massive deal, and we can't just run from it anymore because it's like, this is why we are here. And I think it's interesting, like in 2007, when the government took over the student loans because they were supposed to magically fix it. And it's just as bad. It's not just a problem with 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 banking. It's like connected. They're intertwined. We've got to break that. We've got to be like Teddy Roosevelt. And you guys should all Google Teddy Roosevelt and see what he did in ba- breaking up big banks. And, ba- and this was years and years and years ago. But he was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do this. We're not going to allow monopolies. We're not going to allow. And that's what's happening. 
so everyone, I think, needs to do some research on 2007's economic crash and see what really happened. Because what just happened the other day was unfair and unright for them to shut down and say, you can't buy AMC, you can't buy BlackBerry. However, what happened in 2007 where people lost their pensions, their homes, they were shadow banking was coming in and their mortgages were going through the roof and businesses were closing. We're going down that road again, y'all. So we've got control. So now we need to do something with it. It's just that simple. Okay, guys, until next time, make sure you check us out on TikTok, Instagram, and of course, Twitter. Until next time, OG of the HRC, signing out.